Hi, this is Amber and welcome to today's podcast. The podcast channel is Sacred Space Healing and the website is sacredspacehealing.org. For those of you that are new to this channel, I'm a Reiki master teacher and shamanic practitioner. I'm an energy healer and a life coach and I've been running my own healing practice since 2007. These podcasts have been running for the last decade or so and are here to assist you in your journey to greater understanding of yourself, spirituality, self-healing, healing, and the world in general. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. So welcome and hello and thank you to everyone that listens in and all your lovely messages of support. I'm always incredibly heartened when I hear how the podcasts have affected you, inspired you, transformed you in some way. It's really beautiful. For those of you that wish to support the show, you can do that by heading over to the iTunes or Spotify channels. I believe you can leave reviews there. You can also share links with friends and family, share them on social media as well. And you can donate. You can head over to the website sacredspacehealing.org. And if the, re- if the podcast has resonated with you and you want to say thank you, you can donate as much or as little as you feel called to. And all your donations go back into creating more free content, sacredspacehealing.org. I'll be setting up a new donations page as well at some point, so I'll give you details of that. Also coming up in a podcast very soon is going to be a Q&A session. So if you have any questions that you feel you would like answered on a podcast, um, I won't give out names if you would rather I didn't, um, but please send your questions in to amber at sacredspacehealing.org. That's amber at sacredspacehealing.org. You can also find the Instagram page, which is This Sacred Space Healing. Okay, so today's podcast, we are shining a light on playing the game. It's a phrase that I find particularly distasteful um, and confusing, but it's one that I've heard quite a lot in the last few years. It tends to come from the mouths of men more than women, but uh, that doesn't really mean anything either way, I suppose. I just find it an interesting observation. Uh, and and the, the phrase is said, I'm playing the game. You know, I'm playing the game, uh, so I'm sucking up to the boss, or I'm playing the game, so I'm flirting with uh, the female work colleague or male work colleague or whatever. And I've never really understood what that means, like what game are you playing and by whose rules? And so I shine a light on this to say the more we fall into these ways of behaving and feel that they are empowering or that somehow they mean that that's how we're going to get ahead in life, the more we solidify the matrix, the more we solidify this toxic uh, way of living that has evolved and developed and been cemented over many centuries. I talk about this in another podcast, um, well, several podcasts actually, that the rules that have been set up that dominate our society, our communities, first of all differ from community to community, society to society, and country to country. But underlying a lot of those differences are some core structures that have been put in place by a very small minority of individuals in order for those small minority of individuals to remain powerful, to remain moneyed, to remain the kind of puppet masters, if you like, of the uh, majority. And then the majority either remains asleep and dances to their tune 
or awakens and then chooses to go back to sleep or is awake and can see it all happening. And so the minority puts in place these ways of being, these rules, these uh, structures, which means that they are shielding themselves, their wealth, their power, their their kind of um, their majority in terms of power and money. So if we choose to play the game or play by these rules, all we're doing is cementing that toxicity which has been in place for so long. You know, the way that we change society, the way that we change a community, any community, is by refusing to play the game. There's a great book that I read when I was at school called um, Lord of the Flies by William Golding. And, um, and then I think later on, The Beach was quite similar to this as well. But Lord of the Flies was, you know, it kind of stuck with me, I think, maybe because we studied it at school, that any community, wherever it is, whether it's a community that has had to build itself up because it's stranded on an island or a community that um, is your neighbourhood or a community that is your religious community or uh, your workplace, any community over time evolves rules and structures um, and a hierarchy. But it's only been created by the individuals within the community. Sometimes it's imposed on those individuals within the community uh, by someone who chooses to take leadership. And the only reason why that community continues to operate under those rules is if they continue to play by those rules. The moment the community says, oh, I don't want to follow that rule anymore, I don't believe in that, or I don't feel that we should be doing that, and speaks up, there is already a crack. There is already dissension in the ranks. And if dissension starts and it spreads, then all of those rules, all of that infrastructure can collapse in a, in a moment, in a breath. And it just takes one individual to say, I'm not playing by these rules. This isn't for me. This doesn't resonate with me. And once they do that, everything can change. So I haven't read Lord of the Flies for years, but I remember vaguely that there's a character in it called Piggy. And Piggy gets bullied. I think Piggy gets sacrificed in the end. Um, I can't quite remember. It's quite. It's a really gruesome. It's a gruesome book, but it's it's brilliant. Um, he gets bullied because he's different, because he's slightly overweight, and he's different. He's more sensitive. And he gets bullied, basically. And everyone joins in with it. Even those that, that know that it's wrong. They shouldn't be bullying this kid. They shouldn't be torturing him and terrorizing him. But they do it because they're scared. Because at least it's him and it's not them. Or they do it because they just want to fit in. Or they do it because they're playing the game and they think they can get ahead, right? I don't remember how the book ends. Uh, maybe some of you have read it. And if you haven't, it's worth a read. It definitely is. It's not the cheeriest read, but it's worth a read. But what, the, but what the book shows us, and what these kind of setups show us, is that playing the game, following what everyone else is doing, isn't necessarily always the best thing to do. It's not necessarily the thing that has most integrity, comes from a place of love, or that is particularly good, even, for the, major, for the majority within that community. Often these restrictive rules serve the minority. We can certainly see that in the world that we live in. 
the rules that we operate under, the game that we, you know, we're in, the 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 um, the infrastructure that has been set up in our societies doesn't serve the 99%. If it did, we wouldn't have people sleeping on the streets. We wouldn't have the high levels of poverty and hunger. We wouldn't have abuse. We wouldn't have the horrific things that are happening to the majority of people. People wouldn't be struggling. We've even seen it during these periods of lockdown. But there's a proportion of society that has done really well out of lockdown. There's big business that has made more money than it could ever have made before. And there are those that have you know, been in employment and have been able to sit at home, getting paid to sit at home. And then there are others that have lost their homes and lost their employment and lost their businesses because they weren't playing by the rules. They were doing something different. I've talked about this in other podcasts that the really sad and terrifying thing about these lockdowns and what's been happening in our world recently is that where it's really hit people is entrepreneurs, is those that want to do something different. They don't want to do a nine to five. They don't want to work in an office. They don't want to work for a boss. You know, they opened their little coffee shop somewhere or their little boutique or they were making things. Um, they were craftsmen. They were artisans. And these are the people that have suffered because, of course, it's impossible to keep your business open when everyone is in lockdown. And yet the businesses that haven't suffered are those that are part of the game, are those that are part of the 1% that already had the money, that already had the backing, that were already playing the game. And so we've seen that what suffered during our period of crisis now predominantly has been those who don't want to play the game. Now, why do we play the game in the first place? As I say, it's out of fear, it's wanting to fit in and so forth. Um, but sometimes it's because we don't know any better because we think, well, this is how life is. You know, there, there are books out there that this is how life runs. Um, and if you follow how it runs, you will succeed. And if you dare to go in another direction, then you will fail. And I feel that we're moving into a time now where it's time for us to go in another direction, whatever that direction is for the individual, as in we have to choose that for ourselves. We have to find those places of integrity and truth in us and be the person that stands up and says, this isn't right, this doesn't feel right to me, right? It doesn't feel right that we're doing this or it doesn't feel right that this is how things are operating. And it can feel overwhelming to to do that on a world scale because all you have to do is look at how the world is operating and see that there is so much in the world that actually if you drop into your heart, if you drop into your integrity, if you stop thinking about playing the game, if you stop consuming, if you stop buying, if we stop being on that treadmill, we realize how much is wrong, like how much is out of alignment. And it can feel overwhelming, like how do we change all of that? I think we change that by refusing to play by rules that feel wrong to us in situations in our life. So whether that's in a workplace, in a relationship, um, in a community, in a neighborhood, this is how change happens. Like it happens in our immediate vicinity. If you're in an office and the office environment seems to be operating in a toxic way and the rules that are in that office, spoken or unspoken, seem wrong in some way, seem toxic, seem lacking in truth, lacking in integrity, lacking in kindness, lacking in love, and you can see this, It becomes you, the individual's responsibility to stand up and say, I'm not going to operate under these rules. And then to follow that through, whether that means 
speaking up or that means making a complaint or that means leaving that position. Similarly, in a neighborhood, if you see that something's happening, if there's something happening in the neighborhood that doesn't feel good, it doesn't feel right, it is our duty, it is our duty as souls on this planet to stand up and say, I don't want to operate under this rule, I don't want to operate um, under this way of being. Um, and the surprising and beautiful thing is you will find that when you do speak up, other people will join. Like People often don't speak up out of fear. And everyone has a skill and a gift and a thing that's theirs, right? And for some, it's to, to be that person who sticks their head above the parapet and says, this is wrong, this shouldn't be happening. And as soon as they do that, other people join in. Um, everyone has that kind of, you know, everyone has their skill. When you sit in circle, you realize everyone has their medicine. And a lot of people have that within them, this desire to want to speak up, this desire to want to say these rules aren't for me this niggle within them, and yet they don't for fear. They don't because they don't want to be the outsider. They don't because they think they're going to look silly in some way. And my invitation is, if this resonates with you, you know, if you feel like, yeah, I'm the person who can see that this is that in certain situations this isn't uh, an environment that is, that is right or these aren't rules that I want to be operating under, then my invitation is to, you know, test it out. Test out speaking up. It doesn't have to be aggressive or violent. Just test speaking your truth. I used to find very early on in my journey when I was going to a lot of workshops and sitting in a lot of circles, uh, not leading them, just you know, being present in them to receive, that um, I mean, I spoke very openly and I always have done to just kind of let my truth spill out. And I would say things and sometimes the, the course leader, the teacher, the workshop leader, whatever, wouldn't agree with me they'd be quite stuck in their way right they had their rules in that space and I'd be speaking up and sometimes in some ways unknowingly unwittingly sometimes knowingly um challenging those rules that had been set up in that space and I would find that as soon as I spoke up either someone else would speak up in circle it would be a ricochet ripple effect or people would come up to me afterwards and, th and say thank you so much for saying something I wanted to but I was scared or I wanted to say that exact same thing but I didn't know how and through that I realized that a lot of my medicine came from speaking my truth you know just allowing my soul to speak and to 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 find ways to do that which I had to learn and temper along the way that would be palatable but the the truth is that when you speak your truth and when it comes up against rules that may not resonate with you there is always going to be some friction but that's no reason why we don't speak our truth like that's no reason to not speak our truth it's important that we do that it's important that we follow um what feels right to us many many years ago i was this will be my final anecdote um many years ago i was training in shamanism and we were doing a burial ceremony in Woodland. Um, and I've talked about some of my shamanic teachers and their sort of unscrupulous, dodgy ways. You know, I think we learn from brilliant teachers, but we also learn from really dodgy, toxic teachers. And, and, and this one was probably quite a toxic one in hindsight, but of course I didn't know that at the time. And as a psychic, as a as an intuitive, I would often get and do get visions about things that are going to happen. So 
I'd had a vision of this burial ritual, um, which is an old shamanic ritual that we were going to do as a community. And I'd seen the land and I'd seen where we'd go. And so when I turn up for this workshop, for this retreat, uh, we're on a completely different bit of land. It's bizarre. He takes us on this uh, expedition and we're walking through this bit of land and I'm thinking, where where are we going? This isn't where we're meant to be, but maybe it'll open up into what I've seen. We go to this bit of land and it's just wrong. It's wrong. I can see that. I can feel that. I know it. And there's some other people in the circle who are thinking the same, but they don't say anything because they've handed all their power over to this teacher. But I know this is wrong. There's nettles everywhere. Um, it's just wrong. It's just, it's, it's not the right energy. It's not what I've been shown. It's not what I'd seen. So everyone starts digging. I won't talk too much about the ritual, but you, you know, you, it's, a, it's about digging your grave and, and so on. So we're just digging into the earth and, and we can't really get anywhere because the land is on a kind of slope and it's waterlogged. So all of these these holes that people are digging are just filled with water. I mean, it's the most depressing experience that what we meant to do our burial ceremony in a lake. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So we spend all day doing this, you know, um, the best part of the day anyway. Some people get away with it. They find a nice dry spot, but it's it's terrible. And... We go back to camp, we go back to our yurt, um, and I say to my teacher, look, I don't think this is the bit of land that we're meant to be on. He doesn't really listen to me, he rubbishes me, because he set up rules for the workshop, and the rules in the workshop are that what he says goes, you know, and we all have to follow those rules. Um, I get more and more distraught by the end of that day, and I end up going to one of the assistants who I was really close to, and I'm in floods of tears. And I'm saying, I can't do this, I can't, I have to leave then, I can't, this is completely wrong, this is not the land that I was shown, this is not where we're meant to be, this is wrong, this is, you know, I'm really just not articulating myself very well, because I was so distressed that someone that I had given so much um, respect to was behaving in such a bizarre way that they had gone so off-tangent. So, um... The assistant went to my teacher and told him what was happening. And my teacher came to me, to his credit, and asked me what was happening. And I, I didn't, again, I don't feel I articulated myself very well, but I said, I've seen the land. I've seen where we're meant to be. And this isn't it. And I described it to him. And as I was describing the land to him, his eyes changed. They kind of, he had a flicker of recognition. And he said, it's interesting you say that because you're describing the place where I originally wanted to go to. And then at the last minute, I changed my mind. And I thought this would be better. And I said, well, where were we originally meant to go? And he said, well, I'll take you there. So he walked me to the bit of land. And when we got there, I said, this is it. This is where we're meant to be. This is exactly what I saw. Those are the trees that I saw. That's where my spot's going to be. I can tell you right now where everyone else is going to be. This is it, you know. And um, I still get goosebumps talking about it. And he said, well, this is where I had originally wanted to be. So this is what we will do. And he said, why didn't you say anything to me sooner? Why have you waited so long? And I said, well, because you're the one that's in charge and I'm meant to listen to you. And he laughed and he said, don't ever do that. Don't ever not speak your truth. You know, to say, say what you need to say, because I needed to hear this. I needed to be redirected. I made a mistake. And to his credit, he admitted that he made a mistake. And then the next day, we went to this new bit of land, and everyone was ecstatic. Everyone was like, oh, this is so much better. It's so pretty. The, the land was all dry. It wasn't waterlogged, and it was a beautiful ceremony. 
So the moral of that story, I think, for me, one of the big learnings for me was that whatever environment you're in, right, this was a microcosm of a community. If something feels like it's not right, you have to speak up, even if it means going against the rules. Now, the rules in a workshop, for example, situation are that you don't really tell the workshop leader how to run their workshop. But sometimes there might be something that you have to say, and it will be for the greater good. I do not believe in playing the game because I think the game keeps us stuck in a reality that does not serve us and never really did. And if you are someone who can see through the game and see through the illusion, then please know that when you speak your truth and you do it from a place of love and integrity and connection to soul and spirit, that you will get the support and the backing and the beauty that you need in order to give you the strength that you deserve to speak your truth and be a truth speaker. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. Do check it out for further podcasts, free meditations, the YouTube channel, the donations page, please donate to appreciate, and of course the work that I offer, which if it resonates with you, it would be an honour to assist you at this time. Until the next time.